Welcome to Double Truck Stories, the home to some of the best features, investigations, and character portraits from across ESPN. I'm Mike Philbrick, your host for the Double Truck Stories podcast. Remember to subscribe to Double Truck Stories podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Jared Goff is the embodiment of his North California roots, calm, cool, and collected. And in his short NFL career, he has needed all three of those as he quickly traveled from the dark days of having the bus tag on him to now being the leader of a potential Super Bowl team. While we fans gobble all that up, to Goff, it's just noise, as he confidently takes the field week after week, waiting for that one moment where he and his team will finally finish what they started. Stick around after the story for my conversation with ESPN senior writer Tim Kuhn as we talk about how becoming a juggernaut requires more balance than you may think. Now we present The California Cool of Jared Goff by Tim Kuhn. The California Cool of Jared Goff by Tim Kuhn. Not long ago, the keepers of football's sacred text detected a tragic flaw. The college game was spreading out and speeding up. It had become too simple, too bloodless and the repercussions could cripple the NFL. What they were witnessing was an insult to the thousands of men who sacrificed their bodies and brains on the game's altar. A quarterback standing 15 feet behind center, catching a snap and throwing the ball to a receiver before the defense could even react? This was an act of pure expedience, a shortcut in a sport that does not abide them. Who was left to teach a young quarterback to nudge up close to the center? put his hands in another man's haunch and take a proper snap. A quarterback should be close enough to feel fear and to smell a nose guard's rancid breath and the suggestion that these gimmicky offenses would work in the NFL against grown-ass men, they thundered, was an affront to the legacies of every great American who ever took the time to teach a man the seven-step drop. But one by one, the thundering old men were replaced by younger men who identified an opportunity within the perceived decay and the sacred texts began to be rewritten. These new men, unburdened by the psychic lore of Joe Namath's creaky knees or Joe Montana's jigsaw puzzle spine or Y.A. Tittle's bleeding forehead, took the obvious skills of the spread quarterbacks and set them loose against NFL defenses. And now, what is this we have before us? Fun? Yes. A league that can't define a catch without seven pages of footnotes is being overrun by this most endangered concept. Fun destroys the myth that everything must be difficult and exhausting, and fun puts the game's inherent martiality at risk. Turns out, you can make your own way down the field faster, more efficiently, and far more often by standing back there and finding the receiver most open. It's starting to feel like a revolution, and every revolution needs a frontman. Rams quarterback Jared Goff, under the progressive vision of head coach Sean McVay, is the leader of one of the NFL's most dynamic offenses. Just two years after 2016's top pick, suffered through the turgid, sclerotic final days of the crumbling Jeff Fisher empire, losing all seven of his rookie starts, Goff is an ascendant star, an MVP candidate, a player who symbolizes the promise of the new over the stubbornness of the old. It's funny that the spread quarterback was seen as such a scary thing going into every draft, Goff says. I played in the spread. Mahomes played in the spread. Deshaun Watson, Mitchell Trubisky. The NFL is so stuck in its ways sometimes. If you don't innovate and adapt, you're going to be left behind. It's about coaches. How do you get the best out of your players? It's not by forcing someone to run what you want to run. It's how you can make A the best A can be. This was a moment, adapt or die. 
and it called for something that's not exactly rampant in the NFL, men with vision and confidence to change the paradigm. As it turns out, they didn't come to kill the game. They came to save it. The first time I saw Goff play quarterback, he was a sophomore in high school. So skinny, he had to wave his arms to make a shadow. Even then, with his Marin Catholic jersey billowing around him, the ball left his hand and traveled audibly through the air, and those watching lifted their heads and tracked it in dumbstruck silence, none more helplessly than the thick-ankled defensive backs trying to track it down. Through 39 wins over three varsity seasons, a silly percentage of his throws ended with the receiver jogging into the end zone and Goff jogging nonchalantly to the sideline in that same upright two-beat trot you see now, as if throwing 50-yard touchdowns was just another way to spend an afternoon. He always gave the impression he was waiting around for something that, finally, might be worth celebrating. I've always said the same thing about Jared, says his father, Jerry, a former big league catcher. If you walk into a stadium in the fourth quarter and you had no idea what was going on, you wouldn't know if he had thrown four touchdowns or four picks. Now the game is infinitely faster. The men playing it so big and strong they can be mistaken for machines moving across a screen. Goff has traveled the distance from skinny to thin. I know how to fall, is how he explains his durability, as his game has embarked on a consistently upward trajectory. The Rams, 11-5 last season, were stung by the wildcard home playoff loss to the Falcons after a revelatory second season. 3,804 yards and 28 touchdowns. Goff started slowly in his first playoff game and never got rolling. This year, after an 8-1 start, the memory of that loss had him eager to talk about the one or two games in which the Rams' offense started slowly before starting to roll. He roams the sideline during the slow times, repeating the same message. It'll pop. In every game, even the Week 9 loss at New Orleans, he's been correct. There's a common reason prescribed when young QBs start reading defenses and identifying coverages and throwing to the right receiver through the narrowest of slots. McVeigh says it first. The game is slowing down for Jared. It's accepted wisdom, but in reality, the only way for the game to seem slower to the quarterback is for the quarterback's brain, through repetition and recognition, to accelerate. If I can look out over the defense and say, that route's not going to be there, then... I don't need to spend a lot of time on it, Goff says. It allows me to get through everything a little quicker. That works well with McVeigh, who coaches like he's always trying to beat the yellow. He plays defensive back against his receivers at practice and talks so fast that punctuation never has a chance. He exists in the realm of lines and angles, the world and equation that must be solved before time runs out. He does something every day that amazes me, offensive tackle Rob Havenstein says. The details he picks up are incredible. He'll pop into our meeting and tell us we're doing this or how we're changing this. He'll leave and we'll sit there and look at each other for a minute shaking our heads. And then somebody will say, yeah, that'll work. The NFL has become a cult of coaches and quarterbacks. You can't win without a guy who can play the position and a guy who can teach it. One has to be able to command a room. The other, a huddle. The Rams are unique. Goff and McVay's combined age, 56 is 10 years less than Bill Belichick's, and McVay, at 32, is younger than two of his starting offensive linemen. I don't think you can put an age to what his brain does, says center John Sullivan, who is five months older than McVay. His brain is just his brain. It could be 10 or 110. Doesn't matter. Not everything around here fits with tradition when it comes to age. I asked McVay if he can cite specific throws Goff has made this season that show his growth. It feels a little cheap, 
like a dad asking his kid to recite baseball stats at a holiday party, but let's face it, the temptation is too great. McVeigh, famously, is someone who can be asked about random plays and recount the details like they're the names of his siblings. So asking him to provide some concrete examples of his quarterback's improvement seems like an ethical imperative. He doesn't have to think. The throw is right there, playing on a screen in his mind. I looked at the timing and the rhythm which he threw Reynolds his second touchdown against the Packers, he begins, setting the scene from the Rams' Week 8 win. You want to be able to throw that three-stage footwork. He tempos his drop on a three-step from the gun footwork and lets it go when his back foot hits, recognizing the coverage concept. The difference between taking that and taking a hitch is a catch tackle, or maybe a catch incompletion, and a touchdown with a catch transition. I should probably tell McVeigh he's giving too much credit with this explanation, but interrupting him when he's talking football seems like an unforgivable transgression. The way it looked to the untrained eye, though, tight end Tyler Higby ran a short sit-down route to Goff's right, and Reynolds ran a deep slant in the seam behind Higby. Just as a linebacker drifted toward Higby, Reynolds split the two deep safeties and turned to find the ball arriving in his hands. Reynolds' explanation is less technical than McVeigh's, but it requires its own level of translation. Once I saw the dime linebacker sit on the cheese, Higby, think mousetrap. I knew the ball was coming before I laid eyes on Jared, Reynolds says. As soon as I turned, the ball was on me. McVeigh was suggesting that last season, Goff might have settled for the first open man, Higby, for a modest gain, rather than waiting that extra second, with the rush coming, to see the play through to its greatest glory. In play action, we run a lot of what we call three-level throws, Goff says. Usually it's something vertical, something intermediate, and then something like a checkdown to a running back or a tight end. When I was just starting to understand things last year, it might have been, here, he nods his head three times while moving his eyes higher each time. One, two, three, mechanical. Now I can see before the snap. Okay, that deep ball is probably not going to be open, so this throw is probably going to the intermediate guy. You can start to play the percentages, see what's most likely going to take place. The Rams won their first eight games for the first time since 1969 because the roster is loaded with great players. Todd Gurley is an MVP favorite along with Mahomes, and Goff is in the conversation. Aaron Donald could repeat as Defensive Player of the Year. Three receivers, Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, and Robert Woods, are on track for 1,000-yard seasons. But you know what else, Reynolds says? We're a really smart team. Everybody in here is smart, and that makes a difference. The Rams' extensive playbook grows as the season wears on. McVay is free to introduce concepts mid-season and knows they'll be understood. Obviously, we're expected to know the plays, Havenstein says, but they've been teaching us more about the why of it, why we block a certain defense a certain way, why a certain play will work when the defense gives us a certain look. When you understand something, it makes it easier to add new stuff. Each week, they're being taken deeper and deeper into McVay's brain, a hoarder's garage of expansive concepts granular diagrams, and, not least of all, slogans. We, not me. You know what you know. The standard is the standard. Those words can seem meaningless from the outside, a mind-numbing expansion of the it-is-what-it-is culture. But within the team, they represent a shared language to wall off intruders. You know what you know is McVeigh's way of saying, we know what nobody else does. I feel like I get a pretty good look inside his mind, Sullivan says. He's a freak, in a good way. I've seen the videos of him reciting plays. Guard Roger Saffold at the next locker interjects to tell Sullivan, just like you. No, I'm not like that, Sullivan says. Not like that. Don't let him fool you, Saffold says to me. He remembers. Yeah, he does. Hey, do you remember that play from 2009? 
That's this guy right here. Nah, Sullivan says, embarrassed. I can recall certain things. Probably not the way McVeigh can, though. I don't think anybody can. The sibilant hiss of the word manages to compound the insult. System quarterback. Was it inevitable? Did McVeigh's ascendance require that Goff become an extension of his coach and not the curator of his own talent? Before the Rams' Week 7 game in Santa Clara, I listened to a 49ers radio analyst say that Goff couldn't throw a spiral before McVeigh showed up. And two weeks later, before Goff had thrown a pass against the Saints, Fox's Troy Aikman said, when Goff signs his next contract, he should give Sean McVeigh 10%. The storyline began to develop a year ago, when the Great Helmet Communication Conspiracy opened a window for those who were seeking sorcery behind McVeigh's methods. Goff was mic'd during a game, and McVeigh's voice could be heard in the background as Goff stood at the line and surveyed the defense. People misconstrued it, McVeigh says. They thought, all right, they're just getting to the line and telling him what to do. The communication between the coach and the quarterback cuts off when the play clock reaches 15 seconds, and McVeigh says, Jared's making all the calls. He has the mastery of the offense. System quarterback? To call him that is a discredit to all the good things he's doing, McVeigh says. As coaches, you want to be able to put your players in a system that's conducive to their success. But there are 32 guys in the world that are starting quarterbacks, and it's a very, very elite group. And then to play at the level he's playing is really impressive. The level of throws, the understanding of what defenses are trying to present, the off-schedule plays he's able to make in rhythm. I think sometimes that is received as, well, a lot of guys can do what he's doing. And I just don't think that's the case. I think he's doing some special stuff. And I think as a result of him playing quarterback, he makes it a good system. The system runs on balance, in scheme and in personality. I think sometimes I can get too excited, McVeigh says. And the consistency of Jared's demeanor helps me keep it in perspective. I look at him during games so composed and refreshingly secure in himself. And I have to remind myself, hey, that's what you want to be. And while he's at it, McVeigh wants to know the system could conjure what he saw in Minnesota when Goff completed 26 of 33 passes for 465 yards and five touchdowns with no interceptions. It was one of just 49 perfect quarterback ratings, 158.3 in the NFL since 1950. Only three of those were by quarterbacks with at least 30 passes thrown. And of all of them, Goff has the most yards and is tied for the most completions. Statistically, it could have been the best quarterback performance in history, and there was one throw in particular that nobody could believe. Late in the first half, with the Vikings leading by three and the Rams at the Vikings' 19-yard line, Goff rolled far to his right and lofted a pass off one foot. He's throwing it away, Rams quarterback coach Zach Taylor thought to himself, adding now, I was thinking about the next play. Instead, Goff was throwing a geometrically perfect pass. The angle, velocity, and location that somehow scissored between two defenders and landed in the hands of Cooper Cup in the back corner of the end zone. In short, says Taylor, it was one of the most remarkable passes I've ever seen. Less than 48 hours after the Rams have defeated the Packers on the last Sunday in October, Goff is being photographed as he walks around the team's complex in Thousand Oaks. November is two days away. Yet the temperature is in the high 80s, the Santa Ana winds crackling through the hills like radio static. Locals instinctively check the hillsides expecting smoke. The Rams are the last undefeated team in the NFL, a few days away from their first loss, and Goff's most immediate concern is a stamp on the underside of his wrist from a Halloween party the night before that everybody keeps mistaking, annoyingly, for a tattoo. There's also a wrap on his left ankle and yellowing bruises on his left biceps. When the photographer asks him to sit on a curb for a pensive shot, he starts to bend down and then stops. 
Can't do that, he says, shaking his head. Asked why, he laughs and says, It's Tuesday. It's the only explanation needed. A few minutes later, he winces as he pulls on his jersey and pads. Task complete, he exhales the way you do when you finally catch your breath. I'm only 24, he says, but it's week nine without a bye. So much of the job is appearances. Quarterbacks like Matt Ryan stroll into a post-game news conference dressed like CEOs. Cam Newton does one thing, Rogers another. Everyone has a brand, and Goffs can be loosely described as informal star. Cali cool, Taylor calls it. When Goff first came into the league, he would arrive for a game, unbutton the first two buttons of his dress shirt, pull it over his head, and bury it on the floor of his locker. So when he took to the podium after a game, he always looked a little like he was wearing, well, a shirt that had been buried at the bottom of a locker. He's more particular now. He uses hangers, and his mom helps him with his outfits for home games. But every once in a while, Jerry will dare to venture into the unknown. Jared, how about a suit this week? Nah, Dad, I'm good. Just two years ago, Goff was called a bust, and worse. You know what you know is how he describes that situation. Last year was his quiet rebuttal, but this one feels like an arrival, second only to Mahomes and passing yards through nine games, on the short list for MVP, leading a team that expects to play through January. He has helped to change the paradigm. He is part of the revolution. It can be hard to tell. Goff's organic nonchalance transcends circumstance and outcome. Against the Saints, with just under 10 minutes left, he threw a 41-yard touchdown pass to Cup to put the Rams a two-point conversion away from erasing a three-touchdown deficit. His reaction? The same as the one in Minnesota, and the same as the one throughout high school. Which is to say, almost no reaction at all. His dad says the most emotion he's seen from his son came in Seattle. After a successful quarterback sneak on fourth down late in the game clinched the Rams' fifth win. Havenstein, the offensive tackle, sits at his locker and mimics the most effusive Goff celebration with an almost apologetic fist bump and a strangled, yeah! It's modesty, sure, but that's only part of it. It's how confidence looks when someone is still waiting for a moment he deems worthy of celebrating. Joining me now is ESPN senior writer Tim Kuhn. Tim, thank you again for making the time with us. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. So... One of the thing, the first thing that struck me about uh, well, this story is it seems that you had a little bit of a background only because you were able to see Jared Goff play in high school based on where you are out on the West Coast. Yes, it's true, and uh, I have four sons who played high school football in the same league as Jared Goff in the Marin County Athletic League, and uh, one of them played football and baseball against him for three years. So I was uh, able to see. Jared Goff um, tear up some undermanned and slow uh, defensive backfields in the Marin County Athletic League. I was going to say, uh, how'd that work out for them? Ago. How'd that work out for your family? <laughs> you know, a, a little. I'll, I'll be the the insufferable dad here, and and because Jared actually mentioned it when we were talking, is that uh, my son was a an undersized middle linebacker who actually was the only one to ever knock Jared Goff out of a high school game. He blitzed on the first play of the game and hit him in the ribs and knocked the wind out of him, and he had to sit out for a couple plays. So uh, we're glad he wasn't hurt, but uh, that's my that's my son's claim to fame. I would, if I were your son, I'd be telling that story at all, even in inappropriate and not even non sequitur moments. Yes, he. Uh, he uh, he liked the fact that Jarrett remembered him for that. Nice, but um, when you talk about though 
that you know that calm, cool demeanor, like you know, chuck the the touchdown pass and then kind of jog off. Is is this still is this still fun for him? Do you think? Like, was it? I mean, is that the fun? Yes, it, I, I definitely think it's fun for him, and I think that that there's a you know he 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 isn't out there because he has to be. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think he's out there just because. Uh, you know, the, the, the question of whether he found the game or the game found him, I, I right. think he very much enjoys it. Um, you know, I just think he's got a different demeanor and it's, it's sort of, uh, what he expects of himself in a way. And I think that that sort of carried him through that, that rough first year in the NFL is that he, he never thought that he was going to be anything but a success. And he's got this quiet confidence, um, and he's got sort of a dry sense of humor, and I think that he doesn't take himself too seriously. Um, you know, I think it comes from his family a little bit. His dad mm-hmm. was a uh, was a former major league uh, catcher who who really had to work for everything just to make it. Right. Um, another fun fact and, and odd little coincidence is that I played baseball for a year with his dad at Cal, so I kind of have a I know I know <laughs> the family a little bit going wow. back, and it's interesting because his dad was. Uh, uh, very much unlike Jared. Uh, if I remember Jerry, he was very, he was very, uh, emotional, very hard on himself. Uh, you always knew where he w- was mentally. And, uh, and he, he laughs about that. He's like, I don't know where this came from. When I watch my kid out there, just, just in this, with this completely placid demeanor the entire time. What's it, you, it, That's funny. You said, that, yeah, I thought that was an interesting point. You brought up his dad said, if you showed up in the fourth quarter, and you looked at Jared, you'd have no idea if he threw four picks or four TDs. Exactly, and you wouldn't know what the score was either. Yeah, and it's. Uh, it, <laughs> I think that. Uh, I think it's a great quality. I think it's something that has is not not everybody's that way. Some guys run on emotion, and I mm-hmm. think he uh, he seems to run on a lack of emotion, for <laughs> lack of a better term. So yeah, you're never going to see him angrily shout at the like the kicking net and punch it in the face or something like maybe a little OBJ there. No, I don't, I don't expect that anyway. I mean, he has shown, uh, there were moments at Cal where he showed emotion and, and uh, you know, the, the, again, he was on a really rough team his first year and they got better every year and he got better every year. And, and there were signs of, of obvious uh, satisfaction, if you might say with, with him on, on the field and, and, uh, but I don't think there was any, there's not a, um, there's not any sort of look at me about him. He doesn't right. really crave the attention. I think he's smart enough to know that in that position, especially on that team right now, you're going to get the attention whether you seek it out or not. So right. why not just uh, act like you've been there before, I guess. And it's, one of the things though that is, I mean, you talk about his demeanor that's helped him go through some of the tough times at Cal. And then, you know, when he was labeled like, Oh, is this guy a bust at the beginning of his career? Um, what I thought was so interesting that you pointed out that, uh, coach Sean McVay said it was something that made perfect set, such perfect sense, but I haven't heard it summed up so well before when he basically said to you that the game slows down for a QB when the QB's brain speeds up. Right, he has to see things quicker in order for the game to look slower, right. and that's uh, it, it's you know it's it's 
it seems counterintuitive, but it's really not. I mean, it's right. like with anything. If you if you're if you're able to assess patterns and situations quicker, whether it's uh, you know anticipating somebody changing lanes in front of you on the freeway or 